Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen and today you join us just before the playoff semi-final first leg against Lincoln City it's a, a massive game anybody who listens to this podcast knows just how much we're looking forward to the opportunity to even play in the playoffs and, and see the lads play again and we're going to be discussing all that good stuff today and today I'm joined by Chris Wynn how are we doing mate? Yeah I'm not bad mate I'm not bad Nice to talk to you during the day for once. Nice and I sunny. Know. I can see. Yeah, that. so we're talking about Lincoln then today, and we might go on to some other stuff. But first and foremost, I just want to touch on the the tickets, the playoff tickets. I was lucky enough to grab one myself. It's been great, hasn't it? Just seeing everybody buzzing to be able to go back into the games. Uh, aye, a little bit, except I haven't got one. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, sorry to rub that in, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's good. No, it's great. I mean, I I just think uh, it's the start, isn't it? It's the start of everything. And and uh, what, I mean, what timing? Right in front, right ahead of the playoffs, uh, ten thousand in there, and you can just tell. I mean, everyone the clamour for tickets. Everyone asking all the questions. You knew that was going to happen. Everyone saying, "Oh, you know, does this count? Can I get a? Can I get four off mine? Can I get someone else one?" <laughs> Uh, can I get me Marrow on? He he went last year and all that sort of stuff. But I know it, it's good. It's good to see it all back again. It'll be it'll be good to see them on the box fans in there. Yeah, I, I'm just glad to be able to be back in the stadium. Really, even though it's not going to be particularly normal. I mean, I look through the code of conduct for the day, and you've sort of got to file in, wait your turn when you go into your seat and stuff. They're asking people not to stand up if they can avoid it. Mm. Go into the toilet and stuff. Try and stay in your seat. So it isn't going to be like a normal match day. But I'm certainly going to treat it like one because just being able to see the players in person again, for me, it's got to be a huge lift, not just for us, for them. Because a lot of these lads have, have played in front of Sunderland fans before, but for those that haven't, I mean, what what an opportunity that must be. Because we've sort of missed that little spark, I think, in this last run of games where I think fans might have helped provide that. You know, you, you get that, don't you, with teams when the when they're slacking off in a game, the fans will get on the back and remind them that they've got to perk up. Um, they haven't had that, and these games, I mean, are huge. Like if you, I said this the other week on here when I was talking to Craig, if you're a footballer and you can't get up for a playoff semi-final when you're playing for a club like Sunderland, then there's something wrong. Um, yeah. And it's especially when it's against a team who you've you've got one over on a couple of times already this year, you've you've got to be bang up for this playing in front of them fans, haven't you? Well, yeah, that's it. Talking about the size of it, I mean, I mean, you in the last few weeks we've both done an editorial piece at the start of the week, yeah. just making it clear about, you know, th- just three games. That's it. 
That's all we've yeah. got to focus on. You know, all all the stuff that's come. You know, we've had owners. We've had we've had Phil Parkinson. We've had uh, we've had Phil Parkinson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know. Then we you kick McGeady out. We've had problem after problem all the way through a pandemic, and now it just comes down to three games, and that's it. So you know, for these three games, everything that's gone, you know, this season, it's behind us for these three games, and it's just, yeah. you know, we get results in these three games. And then we'll look back at this season as a season where, despite everything, you know, all of the things that we had to go through, you know, we could end up having a season where we pick up a cup and get and get promoted to the championship. And it's in our hands. I mean, the amount of times this season where we would turn around and said, we'd snap your hand off to say it's in it's in our hands and it's up to us. You know, all we need to do is come out and aggregate on top against Lincoln over two games and then beat, you know, Oxford or, or Blackpool after that. And that's it. That's that's all that stands between us and, and promotion. It's not daunting at all. It's not daunting no. at all. Like I'm, I'm seeing people, I've seen people write us off. People say, you know, the way we're playing at the minute, I can't expect us to win any game. I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think there's anything to fear. I think regardless of, of our form coming into this, we've got the best draw for me. I think being able to play Lincoln out of the three teams was, was the best considering their form. And we'll touch on that in a minute, but there's nothing to fear. And I don't, I don't know why people why people are genuinely writing us off. I think we've got a good enough squad to win three games of football. We don't even have to win three. We just have to make it through the playoffs, and then when we get to that final, in a one one off game, make sure we turn up. And to be fair, and I've said this before, there's enough experience in that squad to carry us over the line. I think you've got to look at we've got the main advantage going into this mini tournament because you just look at our squad like. None of those other three teams have got the players that we can call upon in pressure situations to deliver. I just don't think that as well as Oxford and Blackpool have played, they haven't got an Aidan McGeady, they haven't got, you know, and I know he hasn't had a great season, but a Grant Ledbetter, a a calm, cool head in pressure situations will be key. Bailey Wright, you know, very experienced player. There's a lot of promotion experience right through the squad. We can probably go one by one through the team and pick out players who have been promoted. And I'm sure other teams have got players with promotion experience, but I mean, I'm just, that, that that's why I'm so reassured. I just think it's going to count for a lot when it comes down to it. And you've got to look at Lincoln as well. Lincoln's best players out. George Grant, they've, they've done without him for a little while and that's why their forms fell off a cliff. They've, they've come into this game. I was looking at the form table before we came on for the final six games of League One. We're sat 16th, which isn't great, obviously, but just two places above us are Lincoln, who've only won two over the last six. So what are we fearing here? You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're just another team, really, and we should be good enough to beat them. Yeah, and you, you were talking about experience. There's going to be a lot of our team as well still hurting from, from a couple of years back as well, and they, they've got a few wrongs yeah. to, to write in the, in the playoffs as well. Those who were involved in that we've still got... I mean, most of the the core of the team were were involved in those playoffs, you know, where we got beat off Charlton. But, but I mean, going back to your calls about, uh, you know, all the way we're playing and the form we're in. I mean, yeah, I mean, results have dipped uh, towards the end of the season. I mean, there's no denying that. You've just mentioned where we are in in the form table, but I don't think there's a point in in any point throughout this season where I've thought. I mean, even even that run where we were winning loads of games, there's never been a point where I've thought. Oh, we're, we're we're playing some really good football at the minute, and we're kind of blowing teams away, and yeah. we, you know we're, we're just look invincible. So we, we've never done that throughout the season, and the the team, the squad have always seemed to do enough to. 
I mean, look where we are on the table. I mean, considering you know, for most of the season we we had we had full Parkinson, we were playing in in that way, and then we had a manager who had to come in and try and enforce the way he wanted to play with a squad that you know it, it limited with options, especially kind of up top. Um, he's essentially only had one striker for for kind of what three months or something, or you know, uh, until Ross Stewart kind of got fit. Well, and even then, Ross Stewart's not been fit, has he? He's played dribs and drabs. He's injured again now. So you're right, he's had one striker who's got one way of playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of people going, oh, we haven't been good enough lately, we've played pretty much at the same standard all season and we've come out fourth in the league, which you know, it shows yeah. that it shows that the team can pull out results and the teams that we've got a way of playing where, where we do enough. And I'm sure Lee Johnson would never admit it, but I'm sure if you, if you spoke to him you know, in the summer, if he changes all his squad or anything, He'll probably turn around in two years in an interview and turn around and say, I had to do what I had to do when I first came into Sunderland because of the, the squad I had. And he's he's got a yeah. system where where we pull results out um, and he's got us up to this position in the table. And now he's got three games. And hopefully this is where he's uh, supposed, you know, you keep hearing about his man managing skills. And hopefully this is where that's going to kick in. Well, it's got to. He's got no other choice, really. It's the... Yeah. It's he, he said it himself, I think, after the uh, the last game. He said, "Now I've got to prove myself and step mm. up to the plate, and I've got to I've got to get the players up for it." That's his job. That's why he's there. I know people. There, there's quite a sizable portion of people online, particularly, who just don't think he's the right man, and they're very welcome to think that. I mean, there's definitely reason to be concerned with with the recent results. But for me, you've just got to kind of look at where we, where he came in and look at the squad he's got, like. That's not his squad. I don't for one minute think the majority of those players would, would have been signed had he been the manager, you know, two years ago, whenever the, they all came in. And that's management, of course. Managers come into new clubs all the time and have to work with players they didn't sign. But I think, considering, you know, what we're, what we're hearing and we're going to get on this in a minute about philosophy going forward at the club, etc. I think that it's kind of known throughout the club, not just the fans, but... Probably the players as well. I think people already know there's going to be a lot of change in the summer. And I do wonder how much of that's lingered into this sort of end of season run, whether players are worrying about their futures a little bit and not fully focused on the task at hand. I know it's easier for us to sit here and go, well, there should be, they're paid to do it. But that thing at the back of your mind, you know, a lot of players thinking, well, where am I going to be playing my football next season? Am I still going to be here? That's got to play on your mind a little bit as a player. But... That's why Johnson's a manager. He's got to he's got to try and distract them from that and get them focused again on the task at hand. And the task, like we've just said, is very simple: beat Lincoln over two games and then start again. You've got a cup final. That's what it is. It's a cup final. Get yourselves up for it. I think one thing we've been pretty clear on as a as a podcast and as a site throughout the season is to just sort of focus on one game at a time. Um, obviously. Two games at a time now with Lincoln mm. um, being over two legs. But we have to just focus on the next thing. And the next thing is getting past Lincoln. Worry about the final when we get there. You know, Don't talk about it as though we're already there. And it, you know, As much as I've just said, people are writing us off. Obviously, at the same time, don't talk about it as though we're already past Lincoln because we're talking about our form not really mattering a great deal when you come to the, the end result. Lincoln are up there for a reason too. You know? They finished. They could have finished... Um, I think at one point before the results tailed off, they were still in with a chance of finishing in the automatics and obviously fell away. Mm. So I think we just got to focus on focus on beating them. And like I say, I don't think it's a daunting task. I just I just hope everybody's as up for it as 
as as they can be, and you know, give the lads a good chance of, of succeeding by being, you know, try try to project something, a positive mentality, I guess. And that we we can only do so much of that. We can we can't be there for the first leg. We can only be there in person for the second leg. But going into that, I definitely think we can we can play our part by showing as much support as we possibly can. And that's certainly what I'll be doing. I, I'm still I'm not I'm not I'm not just making this up. I still think we'll do it. I'm still a full belief they've got more than enough ability to do it. It's not a perfect squad. The manager's not perfect, but he doesn't have to be. He's just got to make sure that he gets them up for it. Yeah, but he's not daft, is he? You know, like you've, no. you've just said. I mean, he knows that. I mean, I'm sure he had like a um, he had a milestone this season, didn't he? A ridiculous milestone for how old he is, didn't he? Like it wasn't like 500 games he's managed for or something, and he's only 39 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something he's, ridiculous. I think he's been managing since he was in his 20s, yeah. hasn't he? So I mean, he he's been there and done it, and he knows that as a manager, you don't you're not going to win every game. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson didn't win every game, and as soon as you lose a game, people are questioning, you know, was he the right man and and all this sort of stuff. And Lee Johnson's not daft. He knows that the bottom line this season is, you know, come um come the first week of June when people are starting to look back, has he won a trophy and got us promoted, or has he won a trophy and we're in League One? And he knows that's what he's going to be judged by come come the summer. And it, and it's yeah. all about it's all about the bottom line. It's about success, and and people kind of yeah. There's there's kind of nuance in there about you know what what did he have to to work with and all that sort of stuff that will come into it. But he he knows that that success is there, and it's three games away. And he's he's not daft. He knows how you know we're talking about how big big the games are to us. He it's a it's a massive opportunity for Lee Johnson as well. If he gets if he's the man to turn Sunderland around and get us back to the championship, I mean that's that's a huge thing to put on his CV. And a pro- just having a promotion on his CV, I don't think he's won well, promotion before, has he? Well, yeah, and we'll come on to it. We'll come on to it, what we're going to discuss in a minute. But Lee Johnson will know that as a club, and for him as a manager, if he gets us promoted, he's got a huge chance to build something at Sunderland where yeah. we've really got a structure in place, and you know who knows where it could actually end up. Yeah, yeah, you just touched on it there, so we'll move into it. This podcast that Christian Speakman did with the club. This week, I thoroughly recommend people not just listen to it, but listen to it a few times because there's a lot to take in information-wise there. And I think at the very end of the podcast with Frankie and Danny, Speakman said something around, you know, we're going to try and communicate as often as we can, as clearly as we can. And that was my big takeaway is that I think it's an education process, not just for the club, but for the fan base in how we need to react, how we need to um, view what's going on, how we need to judge what's going on. Because he was very clear at the start of it that we're, we, you know, we're, we are only a tiny step of the way along on where they want to ultimately be right now. And he, he said right at the end, you know, I know we live in a, I think I quoted this, so let me just read it out. We've only progressed a little bit in what we would like the grand plan to be, if you like, in terms of the blueprint. I appreciate we live in an era whereby everybody wants everything instantaneously, but I also think that having spoken to a lot of people who are Sunderland fans in the community, they understand the size of the task. They understand how we're trying to go about it. It's a long-term project and we're hoping to to deliver, not just in the long term, but we're hoping to, to deliver in the short term. Ultimately, we're trying to deliver for those people. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is that, you know, people have to kind of, I don't want don't to offend anyone in saying this, but we have to rein it in a little bit, I think, and maybe realise that there's a long-term vision in pl- at play here. And it's about us buying into it, ultimately. I'm not saying everyone has to. 
But for the club to be successful, I think everybody has to sort of give them the time that they need to put the you know the the blocks in place to to build. And that was the that was the basis of this entire podcast, wasn't it? It was we've spent the last what six months trying to get things ready for the summer, um, but we we haven't even finished that yet. You know, he said I think he said they're only sixty percent of the way through in terms of the recruitment of key staff. There'll be a lot of that going on over the summer, and that you know ultimately the club will be better off if we stick to this plan. And I, what what I'd like to ask you is, do you trust them? Having listened to that, do you trust them? Based on what you've you've seen and heard so far, or is it you know is it a bit early to say you fully trust somebody who's you know really been in the door two minutes? Yeah, well, I take well, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say it, but you know, I'm sure there'll be a load of people saying listening to it and and saying the same thing. They'll say you know we've heard it before, and and Speakman can can say what whatever you know the plan is, and he can say whatever it is, and. You know the, the the proof's going to be on the pitch, and when we see changes, and when we see how how it's going to roll out. But like you said, it's um it's it's giving them the time to do that. But we've got to see we've got to see signs of progress, and the speed of the progress is going to depends what happens in the next three or four weeks. But we've got to, yeah. we've got to then we've got to then kind of shift our expectations to say okay, well it's going to take a little bit longer, and we might not get there the other way. But yeah, uh, but I, I mean in terms of what he said, I, I always remember. I mean it was years ago. Now it was probably. You know, you're probably talking 10, 15 years ago. I remember, I can't even remember who it was now, but there was a guy from Southampton. I saw an interview with him and they were talking about, you know, when um, it might not have been quite that long ago, man. Because I remember when they were bringing in, um, uh, they had all these kind of uh, young players, you know, they brought in Van Dyke and all that sort of stuff. And they had this conveyor belt and they started making it like, they were selling players for ridiculous amounts of money kind of on a regular basis. I remember it was mainly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember an interview with with someone at Southampton at the time because they're saying you're selling all these you know brilliant players. What's going on? And I'm like, well, yeah, because that's kind of the plan. You know, we've got a list of players with the attributes that we want, and you know, we because we play them, we play to their strengths. You know, they they get recognised for their form. They're more than likely move to a bigger club for a lot more money than we bring them in. But then in behind that, we've either built the youth structure behind with a bunch of young players who've got the same attributes who can may- maybe step in or if they're not ready we've got a short list of players who've got exactly the same attributes and we know the price of them and we know where to go and get them we know who to speak to and we go straight out and we pluck them and we stick them straight in the team because we know that they will fit into that system because they've got the right you know blueprint for what we want for that position and he said that, I mean, he gave the example of the fullback, didn't he? The right back where he says, we know exactly yeah. what we want from a right back. But it, it, the, the thing that pleased me as well, it was that mix of, um, you know, because I, I hear people say, oh, you know, data, data on its own, you know, that's a load of rubbish and all this sort of stuff. And it's not, but data, data should be just part of it. And that's what Speakman yeah. said. He said, he said, the data is going to give us the, the inkling that, that this fella might be a good player. But what we then do is we see the whole picture we get scouts out to see him find out what kind of person he is is he you know is he a bit of a jack the lad is he gonna <laughs> is he not gonna turn yeah. up the training or is he gonna get his head down and work hard and all that sort of stuff so the data's got to be only part of the picture and, and i was quite i was quite reassured by that that they're, they're looking at every aspect they're not just saying oh the data looks good right we'll sign in mm. it's not just in recruitment either is it He's, he mentioned also in in terms of developing players from under eight up to the yeah. first team they'll be using data alongside you know in-person viewpoints to help make informed decisions and that's yeah. how it should be used 
Exactly. But the, but what it does is if you've got that, if you've already got those people in place, what, what you've got, if you've got a system and he, he's not going to say it on the podcast, but the way the club is now going to be structured, the same will be true of Lee Johnson. So there'll be a short list of people to say, actually, if Lee Johnson's not doing the business with, with this blueprint, with the system we've got, with the players that we're going to bring in or whatever. Or gets poached, you know, if he does a good job. Yeah. Same yeah, thing oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They'll have a shortlist in behind to say, right, well, this coach plays the way we want to play with our blueprint, with the type yeah. of players. And it, so it'll be it'll be right across the club. I mean, even even all the recruitment positions and all that sort of stuff, they'll have a shortlist of people. But it, it just looks like we're organised. Whereas before you were hearing stories about, oh, um, you know, so-and-so rang the owner and said, I'll play f- I'll play for you and cut me wages by 50%. Oh, great. We'll have him. You know, come on, get a shirt on. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're in the team. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds completely different and it's a bit reassuring how different it is. Yeah, there's some, there was some other really interesting stuff I picked out. The the bit about the um, the three things that they're trying to adjust at the very top of the podcast. He mentioned, firstly, the physical infrastructure and it's something I've never really considered with the academy. People just talk about how brilliant it is, but you never actually think, well, could they do more to alter it and make it better? Because it's, what, 20-year-old now coming up? the academy it probably does need a little bit of love and it probably you know it was built with the game of 2002 or whenever it opened in mind not 2021 and it was good to hear him talk about how you know if we're going to commit to having a proper data and recruitment department we're going to have you know a proper academy structure then they those teams need to have the investment in you know not only the the equipment that they will be using but the actual space to do their job and it was good to hear him talk about that, you know, as a very important part of what they're doing. Um, so it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of work going on at the academy over the summer just to get that in place. Even bringing the the, the kind of uh, age groups together, because I remember Chris Brown, yeah. was it Chris Brown on Under the Cosh? He was talking about at the, the Charlie Early Centre when everyone was together yeah, everyone and you could see the first in team. In the porter cabins together uh, and stuff, yeah. And then the academy had split them off and he said it was a bit crap when they did that. Yeah. That, he, he talked, obviously, I mentioned this before, but about people. In terms of you know bringing in key appointments, he said they're about sixty percent of the way through. There's still um, several appointments away from being where they need to be, and that's probably going to be done over the summer. But it's been done with a strategy, like you just said, you know, shortlisting and looking into people, find out what they like as people instead of just making snap judgments. And culture as well, you know, forward planning. Imagine that. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and culture. He said he actually said, "What is it to work at Sunland? It's getting people to understand that because." For so long in the past, it's just been a case people came here because they knew they'd get well paid for very low expectations. And um, right through the club, that's got to change. Philosophy's got to change, you know. And he, he mentioned how they're working with academy coaches to, to you know, form a philosophy and, and, and implement that across the board so that when players are coming through from eight-year-old all the way up to 18s and 23s and what have you, that, you know, they're, they're, they're producing good people who play a certain brand of football and know what's expected of them. And that, that was... Something that I think we did a great job of when Kevin Ball ran the academy, there was always a there was a crop of players coming through who knew what was expected of them, and um, Ballie did a very good job of that. But this is on a larger scale. This is a grander scale with more thought into it, probably because it's just you know the modern way of coaching, um, that you have a you have to have a, a way of being, <laughs> a philosophy. Mm. So it was good to hear that that those are the and these are all things that you'd expect them to pinpoint. But like you just said, Chris, like. It's just having that plan, isn't it? Down and knowing that they're working towards something is very reassuring. 
Well, that's it. And and Speakman said it himself. I mean, all they're doing now is planning what they want to do. Is plan putting yeah. that plan together. I mean, none of none of that is actually implemented. They're not they're not kind of doing the plan at the minute. The at the minute we're trying to do the best with what we've got, and it's going to take. You know, might we might be having the same conversation next season, saying, you know, where where are they? How far are they lying down the line with this plan? And you imagine a. A, a, a podcast that's on and release in a year's time with the obvious question, right? You know, where are we with things? But, but it's about, I mean, the thing is, we need to see, like I said, we need to see that progress as well. Because, okay, we're talking about the youth system, that's going to take time. But on the pitch, I mean, let's say, let's say in the summer, all of those players leave and we start bringing new players in, whichever level, they're going to be, they're going to be looking at players with the attributes that Speakman was talking about laying out. So if they're doing yeah. that, if they're doing that, we should see, we should just start seeing the improvements next season when they're, they're putting that plan into place. We're not going to see the young players coming through because that's going to be in a few years' time, hopefully. But, um, you know, on the pitch, hopefully we should start seeing that next season. You also touched on um, the success of current youngsters. Spoke about Jack Diamond, said he felt he had a bright future, which is why they've given him a long contract. But what was interesting is he said, you know, people see what's going on on the pitch with Jack, they see, you know, what he can do in games, but a lot of what we're doing with him is off the pitch and coaching and moulding him into being a better player. He also touched on Embleton, how happy they are with how great he's been at Blackpool. And what was really interesting from that, I thought, was how he said they could have got him a League 2 club, like, the next day, but they held out in the hope a League 1 team would come in. And they're glad it paid off because he's went to one that's done really well and he's played really well and been a big part of it. I don't want to go too in-depth on Embleton, but it's it's interesting seeing how he's got on there, isn't it? Because mm. ordinarily you'd think, well, he's got to come back in the summer and be a first-team player here. Because Blackpool the Blackpool could win win promotion we at the cost of us even. And he'll have been a big part of them getting there. And we could be then looking at this player and thinking, well, what do we do with him? Because that's the feeling I've always got with Embleton. Like, where does he fit in? No manager seems to have found a way to make him fit. And as part of all of this, you know, they're talking about having success long-term and being patient for it. Short-term, a player like Elliot Embleton should be playing in your first team going forward. Regardless of, even if we're in the championship for me, I mean, if he's a, if he's a top attacking midfielder in League One, he should be part of your championship squad and playing regularly. Yeah, he's always he's always been unlucky with injuries. Whenever he's looked like he's going to break through, he's always broke down and... I remember his hamstring injury got under Jack Ross when he was flying. But but I mean the the, the point is, uh, you know, people were complaining and probably still are about Embleton being at Blackpool and playing as he is. But if he was at Sutherland, we probably wouldn't even be mentioning him. He probably wouldn't have gotten a game. He wouldn't have gotten a chance. We would probably be just saying, right, Embleton. He probably just needs to go in the summer and get himself a new club. Whereas he's gone away, got the minutes, and we're now saying, like you've just said there, he could play a major part, whatever division we're in next season. And and it and it comes down to the there's going to be a balance and it'll be interesting to see how they do it because a big complaint over the last ten years is how we haven't sent our players out on loan when they should have been going out on loan. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, but it's a balance because we've got a category one uh, academy with all the facilities we can monitor. You know what the players eat, what they're being ed- how they're being educated, what what we're teaching them. But at the same time, we want them to go out and play. The proper game. We want to go out and play a man's game. We don't want them to play under twenty threes all the time. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting how they get that balance between getting players out at the right time. But <laughs> I'm sure the coaches there will want time with the players as well to teach them the way the things we want to teach them as well. Yeah, 
So yeah, I would, I would totally recommend, like I said, that people go listen to it because I think it's important right throughout this as fans, we stay, we stay very much in line with what the club are doing off the pitch because it does form a large part of how you think, you know. People, if we go up, we'll want to see players come in for a lot of money maybe, see good players come in. Sometimes you've got to be clever with your recruitment and so on. And I think that's just just listening to the way he's talking about how we're going to be doing things. People people probably need to get on board with it and realise that decisions will be made with a lot more thought behind them than probably we've ever been used to at this club. I think he said himself that we're sort of we're at the we've been at the back of the pack in terms of everything, and they're trying to bring us to the front by being a bit more modern in our approach. And unfortunately, that for some, uh, I say unfortunately because I mean it is great when you go out and sign like when we were in the Premier League going out and spending fifteen million on a player or whatever. But I think those days are gone. Like they're just gone. Particularly if you're a Championship or a League One club, you just don't spend a lot of money. It's about how well you spend your money. And yeah, that that whole thought process into how they're going to be doing things will make up a large part of how we all think about the club going forward. And that's why I'm a little bit more calm about. This whole playoff situation, I think we have to, we definitely have to embrace it. But if we don't go up, it isn't a disaster, I don't think. And I'm not, I'm not sort of making excuses before we we fail or anything like that. I just think that if the worst case scenario happens and we don't get promoted, there'll be a massive inquest into why we didn't get promoted. But it's important we don't panic as well because it's clear that they've got they've got grander designs here and we're going to be a lot better off for it. Yeah, and that uh, uh, and if the if the worst does happen, dinner gets wrong. I'll be absolutely devastated because I'm I'm sick. I'm sick of this league. I just want to get out <laughs> of this league. But yeah, but like you said, um, we'll have a plan. And the, the, I suppose the thing to look at. I mean, dinner gets wrong. You know, there'll be time for for review on the on the season. But um, but this uh this regime, this this management team, they're just getting their feet under the table and they're doing the best they can with what they've got at the minute. And and they need a chance wherever we are next season to put their plan in place and see what they do. Absolutely. Good place to end it. Um, if people would uh, check back before the game, we've got a cracking podcast coming up where Rich spoke to Lincoln City's chairman, Clive Nates. So that should be a top listen. I can't wait to hear it. Um, probably look a little bit more in depth at what's been going on at their club ahead of the game. So yeah, be sure to check that out before the game. Um, and of course, check the website because right up until kickoff, we'll have... Um, all your match preview and of course be over on Twitter and Facebook interacting and doing some live updates during the game so yeah thank you very much for joining us we'll catch you later Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.